When you close the refrigerator door, does the light go off? Are we human or are we dancer? All of these questions you can find the answer to on This Paranormal Life! Hello everyone and welcome to This Paranormal Life, the comedy paranormal podcast where every week we investigate a brand new paranormal tale, case, claim, beast, weapon, monster, man, and come to a conclusion as to whether or not it, he, them, they are paranormal or not. My name is Roy Powers and across from me is sitting Kit Greer perched on his chair like Batman. I feel like uh, we could have tightened up the intro a little bit. You think so? That was pretty uh, much as fast as I can go and that was like pretty high energy as well. Yeah, you're probably right. I think that's as good as we're gonna get. I could do one more swing out if you want yeah f- it let's go ah! God, this is paranormal life i don't think i said more energy i think it's gonna have been tighter right that was like as high energy as i can go right you well, want, but you, i didn't mention energy you want at all. higher than that <laughs> no no, no. if any please for the I love of god try, dude, do not I don't think... go anywhere ah! oh my god <laughs> More? That was no. <laughs> I didn't say anything, and you just said more. You're f-ing crazy if you think I can go higher than that, man. That was the sound of a bald eagle, I think. Uh, this is a comedy podcast hosted by myself and this guy here, Kit Greer. I already did this, actually. We already did the explanation, and then we did it three more times. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. Uh, if you're f- listening to the show for the first time, uh, one thing about us is we don't like to piss about at the start of the show. You guys came here to to hear about the paranormal, and that's what we're going to do today. God so let's just it. dive right into today's story. Because blues. The year is 1955, and we're in Hollywood, California. About time. We don't spend enough time on the the goddamn Hollywood Walk of Fame. We're usually in the swamps, in a moon cave. Uh, So it's nice to be in the, you know, the, the sunny heart of America. The movie business in the 1950s is booming, with endless celebrities walking the star studded streets of the city. Movies that would go on to be regarded as all-time classics were just being released. Sunset Boulevard, A Streetcar Named Desire, Vertigo, Some Like It Hot. Wow, can you imagine being there at that time? Oh my god. Soaking it up. But one movie and one actor was being praised more than any other. James Dean. Of course. The GOAT. 1955 had just seen the release of Rebel Without a Cause, in which Dean starred as the troubled teenager Jim Stark. Probably uh, his most iconic role of uh, his unfortunately short-lived career. Uh, (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Oh, don't you know? But James Dean had two great passions in his life, acting and car racing. In fact, even while his acting career was blowing him up to stardom, his career as a racer was also doing well having competed in both the Palm Springs Road Race and the Santa Barbara Road Race in between filming. Wow, I did not know that. Isn't that crazy? Because it's already like... so iconic in the car, but I just thought he was like picking up babes around Hollywood. Yeah, it's pretty badass to be like one of the biggest actors emerging in Hollywood. You're a total heartthrob. And at the same time, you're like, I also want to be a fireman. <laughs> and an astronaut and a race car driver i want to yeah. be like all the hottest things a guy can yeah, be. yeah this is just my plan b yeah this whole movie shit he's like i want to be a, a hollywood heartthrob but i also want to be a paranormal podcaster all the most sought after and sexiest professions it didn't exist possibly. at that time that profession but if it had i think james dean would have wanted to be me <laughs> of course yeah not, not just, just anyone podcast yeah but 
That's right, James had two loves in his life. One of them acting, and the other, his Porsche 550 Spider that he nicknamed Little Bastard. <laughs> it's a good name. It's a really good name for a car, actually. I really love it. Famously, I my first car that I ever got from my dad, we called Thunder. Oh, yeah. Because uh, like the attack move in Pokemon, uh, Thunder would only work 60% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it was kind of a dice roll whether the, the car would start up or not. Okay, so I thought it was going to be, you know, he got you like a, a Chevrolet and this thing when it purred like f-ing rolling thunder. But no, this thing maybe didn't even start up at it, all. Yeah, it, it borderline. It was it was like a Toyota. Uh, I don't even know if it had a name. Just Toyota. <laughs> it was like what they just all the like parts from all the other cars they just stuffed together and they were like do you want this one if james dean's car was a porsche spider mm. i had a toyota rat <laughs> i had a little piece of junk but i loved it i did really love it and you can see why anyone could become attached to a car dean had got the car while filming rebel without a cause and immediately fell in love with it he wanted to upgrade the car and make it truly unique so we called a man named George Barris to customize the Porsche. After adding tartan seats, two red stripes, and the number 130 to the side and front of the car, it was almost ready. The final touch, the car was branded with the name Little Bastard on the front. Uh, Would you like to see a picture of the car? I would love to see a picture of that. And James Dean looking like an absolute 10. Let's go. There we go, there's the Little Bastard. The the car, (laughs) not James. (laughs) I'll tell you, they do not make them like they used to, folks. It's pretty small. It kind of looks like one of those cars that like rich white kids drive around their estates. <laughs> what? You know, like the the like a little tiny car built for a child. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. What like you're Kim saying. Kardashian's kids would drive. Okay, like a little electric mansion. thing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's actually in this photo there's actually some like. I don't know what they are. It looks like kind of Chevrolet trucks and, you know, kind of Oldsmobile looking thing behind it. This car is about half the height and probably like three quarters the length of regular cars. Very small and little. I mean, that windshield is like. It's not doing much. It ain't doing much. You've no. got bugs in your eyes. There's a reason James Dean is famous for his <laughs> literal cliff of a fringe. Yeah. Uh, it's a beauty. Wow. It is. It's a gorgeous car. Now, James Dean loved the car, but as we all know, what we love in life can hurt us the most. On September 23rd, 1955, seven days before the accident, Dean met with actor Alec Guinness, who listeners may know as the actor who went on to play Ben Kenobi in the original Star Wars movies. No shit. Before they went inside a restaurant to eat, Dean wanted to show them his pride and joy. The restaurant said, before we go in, I must show you something. Um, I've just got a new car, and there in the courtyard of this uh, little restaurant was a, I don't know what the car was, some little silver, very smart thing, all done up in cellophane with a bunch of roses tied to its bonnet. Uh, and I said, how fast do you, can you drive? And he said, oh, I can do 150 in it. And I said, have you driven it? He said, no, I've never been in it at all. And some strange thing came over me, some almost different voice. And I said, look, I won't join your table unless you want me to, but I must say something. Please do not get into that car. 
because if you do, and I looked at my watch, and I said, if you get into that car at all, it's now Thursday, whatever the date was, uh, 10 o'clock at night, and by 10 o'clock at night, next Thursday, you'll be dead if you get into that car. I thought, nonsense. Someone had dinner, we had a charming dinner, and he was dead the following uh, Thursday afternoon in that car. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? It's insane. To not only have the actual video of uh, Alec Guinness saying this, but for then it to come true as well, it's just so fascinating. Like, I think any of us can imagine being in Alec's situation and we would never say that in a million years. Even if you were scared of speed or, you know, you yeah. didn't like going in fast cars, you would never say, don't get in it. You'll be dead within a week. To someone who just wanted to show you their favorite car. Like you would have to, I can imagine, he must have had the most overwhelming feeling out of nowhere. It's like me showing up and like showing you a new skateboard I bought. And it's like, within seven days, you will fall and shatter your ass. Do not set foot on that board. I mean, like like I said, his voice doesn't help. Do I mean, not sit, stand on the board. You will fall in front of many people and shatter your ass. Now, as we know, that day was the last time that he would ever see James Dean. Seven days later, news of the accident was all over the world. Uh, I won't go into the exact details of what happened that night uh, in the crash because one, it is tragic and it's super sad what happened. But also primarily, this story today isn't about the crash. In fact, it's not even about James Dean. This story is about Little Bastard, the Porsche 550 Spider. Now, after James Dean passed away, what was left of the car and there wasn't a lot. It looked like a crushed soda can. It was bought by George Barris, the man who originally customized the car for Dean, which I thought was a nice touch. You know, just like, hey, I, I want to be the one to, to have the car. I was the one that made it for him. Mm. Uh, I did read that he allegedly wanted to sell tickets for people to come <laughs> and see it, which is not that. It's so not it wasn't that nice. nice. No, it's, it's actually kind of No, it's not, not that nice. It's not nice at all. So George picked up the wrecked car and brought it back to his warehouse. But while he was loading it off the trailer, the car slipped, falling on a nearby mechanic and breaking his leg. Oh shit. I know. Now as I said, the car itself looked like someone had curb stomped a can of tuna, but certain parts of the car were salvageable. For example, the engine of the car and the drivetrain was sold to Troy McHenry and William Estrid two racing fanatics who took those parts and actually built them into their own cars. Uh, I guess as like a tribute uh, to James Dean. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because I would have thought this thing is intrinsically valuable, I guess, because it's a Porsche. But right, it seems as if it's more its more like James Dean made this thing invaluable. Yeah. Because surely most cars would just be you know, thrown in a scrap heap after a crash like that. Definitely, yeah. I think the fact that these guys are race car drivers, this is more seen as like, I want a piece of his car gotcha. in my car. I'll carry the spirit of uh, the little bastard okay. uh, while I drive. I get it. However, during a race against each other, little bastard would strike again. While racing, McHenry lost control of his car, spinning out wildly until colliding with a tree, killing him instantly. Holy moly. 
To make matters worse, Estrid's car suddenly locked up on a turn, rolling over and leaving him seriously injured. So you're saying two different drivers who took two separate <laughs> pieces of little bastard? Two different drivers who took two different p pieces, raced each other, <laughs> and both basically exploded. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating. I mean, it's pretty brave... Uh, to take parts of any crashed car yeah. and incorporate them into your pretty much perfect machine yeah. if you're racing it uh, at that level. I mean, it, yeah, the analogy kind of breaks down once you start applying it to like other objects. Like imagine there was a, a terrible plane crash that your friend <laughs> died in. You were like, you know what? As tribute to him, I'm going to build a plane with the parts <laughs> in that shitty plane that <laughs> killed him. It's like... No, something went drastically wrong. Forget it. It's what he would have wanted. I'm going to take that exploded engine, number four, and I'm going to put it on my plane. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrible idea. Imagine if your friend broke their spine and you were like, as tribute, I will have their spine. It's like, <laughs> no, you won't. It's, it's a bad spine. It's not good. It's not going to tribute to anything. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. I mean, there's also like, it definitely reminds me of kind of other extreme sports. Uh, you know, I like watch this thing about like wingsuit divers. You know, those guys who, yeah. who just fly like flying chipmunks at like 200 miles per hour and try and like, it's insane. Fly through valleys. It's the most, if anyone hasn't seen it, you got a YouTube, the, the kind of GoPro footage of these guys. When I become president, my first official presidential decree will to be just arrest every uh, wingsuit flyer in the country. Because yeah. for you to do that and have the desire to do that, you are a psycho. If you're not Sonic the Hedgehog and you just gotta go fast, yeah, you're you're a psychopath. Because how do you get to the point where you just feel comfortable jumping off a cliff edge? And this was the thing. Who was the first dude to just be like, "Fuck it." I'm a bird and just jump off with this like weird little bit of flappy those friends plastic. Like, uh, hey, Chris, uh, we've all got parachutes. Where's yours, bud? And he's like, you see this tiny flap of paper? That's my parachute. Uh, I call it little bastard. <laughs> he backflips off a cliff. The craziest thing is when you hear those guys talk, they all have like five friends a year die doing it. Yeah, but I did not know that. that yeah. is, that's insane. It's that's all, the ratio awful. is too high. Uh, but they're just like, bro, this is what we love. He died doing what he loved. You know, life isn't worth living without flying like a chipmunk. It definitely uh, tests your allegiance to your hobby or your passion because if I had five friends a year who died podcasting, I wouldn't be here. It would be the odds would be way, way, way too dangerous. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. I, I'll find a different job. <laughs> the accident raised a lot of eyebrows. These were two competent drivers. Could this have something to do with the parts to James Dean's car? Despite fears that the crash could have been something to do with the parts of Little Bastard, George Barris went on to sell two tires from the car, which were untouched in Dean's accident. Come on untouched in an accident there's an oxymoron i think it's more still usable rather than untouched <laughs> mint condition brand new out the box i mean to be fair he had only driven for like a couple days before the crash yes he was like breaking in the car but not long after the new oh, owner had God. them installed in the car the two wheels simultaneously exploded 
Is this thing made out of origami? What what is this car made of? Sending the vehicle spinning off the road. That is insane. Did the driver at least live? I think this driver lived. Okay. There was no mention of death. Um, and he said, you know what? As tribute to myself. It's If you take... If the only part of your car that came from James Dean's little bastard is two wheels that both simultaneously explode, <laughs> you know what the problem is. Put the old wheels back on. The old <laughs> wheels were fine. It's kind of funny because, like, we've covered on this podcast before previously, like, the curse of uh, King Boy Tutankhamun, a case where arguably there wasn't that much evidence for anything bad really happening in the wake of it. A lot of kind of um, loosely connected illnesses and deaths over the years. Yeah. Um, but it became such a famous curse. Whereas it seems like in this story, everyone who came into contact died instantly in a... <laughs> fiery ball of flames but no one even thought that there was any connection at all yeah this is the exact opposite yeah there was a very clear paper trail of what's going on right here it was at this point that barris realized the car was too dangerous to be sold off so he kept what was left of it locked away in his workshop but even that wouldn't stop little bastard from executing its wrath years later two thieves broke into the workshop Hey, keep it down, asshole. I'm just trying to get in the damn window. Help me shimmy down. All right. All right, all right. There it is. We gotta be fast, all right? I'll grab the steering wheel. You get the seats. The two men climbed up the trailer and began to scrap the car. I... I can't get the damn steering wheel! As one thief tried to rip the wheel from the car, the man slipped, slicing his arm open. Jesus! No! The other thief apparently injured himself trying to remove the seats of the car. But there's no more details about that. So I assume he just kind of like threw his back out. Carpet burn <laughs> on, the, on the tartan cover of the seats. Even though the thieves deserved it, this was very much the final straw. Barris decided enough was enough. He was going to hide the car away somewhere no one could find it. Indiana Jones style. You know, seal it up in a wooden crate, put it in a, a secret warehouse mm. buried in the middle of nowhere. However, he was eventually convinced by the California Highway Patrol to let them borrow the wrecked car for a highway safety exhibit. George told them, Look, highway safety is an important issue, and I'm happy to lend you the car. But you have to understand, this car is dangerous. You have to promise me that you'll be extra careful with it. The exhibit was unsuccessful when the garage that housed the car caught fire and burned to the ground. This is impossible. Also, why did they need his car? It's probably like almost like a scared straight thing where okay. it's like, hey kids, remember, remember James Dean? He thought he was pretty cool, and look what happened when he drove too fast on the highways. <sighs> okay. Like get a replica or something. Yeah, you don't need to do. It. You, you don't, really you don't, don't need. need to do it. <laughs> it's like I'm just imagining <laughs> the policeman is like, "Remember James Dean? Here's his spine." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, ah! Jesus. it's like you don't need it to be that authentic. No, absolutely not. Just tell the story. Whether brave or very foolish, they pushed forward and did a second exhibition at a local <laughs> high school. 
This is a terrible idea. This car is is a is gonna hurt someone. You know it is. It just caught fire in a f barn. Better move it to the high school. This is like someone putting on like an anti-terrorist uh, demonstration at a high school, and it's like we're gonna need a bomb. We're gonna need a real bomb that just didn't you know detonate. What? Let's just get a member of Al Qaeda in to talk about their methods. <laughs> but we have to be extra careful with them. Uh, you're just, ah, you're asking for trouble. It's, it's, something's obviously going to go wrong. This is insane. It's like hosting a seminar uh, against animal cruelty. And as part of the exhibition, you have a abused, malnourished donkey going buck wild. And you just set him free to be like, look what it does to the beast. It's, like it's you, hoofing you've kids. You've introduced <laughs> the thing you're warning against. <laughs> You've introduced the problem. It's a it's a safety demonstration against the risk of wildfires, and you start by setting fire to the building. Is this f funny to you, children? <laughs> ah! uh, the car allegedly fell off the display and smashed into a nearby student who <laughs> who suffered a broken hip. Uh, I mean, at this point, it's just like uh, a kid walked by the car and the engine said something racist. It's so, like, yeah, it's whatever just, it can it's do. It's an evil car. We've got that. We've established that. It is, to the fullest extent, a little bastard. <laughs> he couldn't have been more accurate. Wow. Yeah, it's it, it's insane. We've, we investigated before on this case, I believe it was the Golden Eagle, which was referred to as the yeah. most haunted car in America. But all it would do was just randomly open the doors while the people were driving <laughs> it's pretty bad that's pretty, it's pretty bad up there. it's not crashing on a child or yes or exploding in a barn for no apparent reason i mean it's kind of terrifying in a different way the idea of a car that just simply doesn't want you in it yeah rather than a car that's like just hellbent on destruction yeah, of all kinds. The Golden Eagle just felt like it didn't want to be drived yeah. or driven. Uh this car wants to kill. It is bloodthirsty. It's an agent of chaos. It is the Joker. Yeah, if it if it had a horn, it would be like a little a horn that's also a wispy laugh. So it would like fall on the kid and be like ha, 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 ha. James Dean wouldn't have wouldn't have driven it if that was the horn. <laughs> that was the horn, whizzing down the highway. You're just like, "Hey, move it, asshole!" Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> oh my god, it's the worst, the worst car person. ever. As if all of this wasn't enough. While being transported on the highway, the truck carrying the car lost control. What? It caused the driver to fall out and somehow get crushed by the little bastard after it fell off the trailer. <laughs> I don't believe this. I need to, you're reading a blank piece of... Ladies and gentlemen, he's no. reading a blank piece of paper. He's making it up as he goes along. This allegedly happened. You can read about it. This all happened while the car was in transport. Jet engines came out of the back of little bastard <laughs> and he... <laughs> he flew thousands of miles to Korea where he exploded into a shopping mall. This uh, this is the one that really tests the believability of this story. Okay. The driver of the truck should in no way be at risk of being crushed by the little bastard. Yeah, we're going to need to run this one back, get a play-by-play. -play. He fell out of his own truck. <laughs> Even as I say it, it's so mad. It sounds like 
it sounds like he tried to steal little bastard and was crushed by it and yeah. this is him uh giving the police a rundown of what happened so they're like my seatbelt malfunctioned catapulting me from the car <laughs> where i was thrown behind the vehicle and in a grasp of, of despair, I accidentally hooked the latch that sealed the car to the trailer, crushing myself. Some toothpicks in my pocket accidentally hotwired, little bastard. <laughs> the car fell off two more transport trucks before the California Highway Patrol gave up. <laughs> what does gave up mean? They just left it in the road? It's it's causing more accidents than the California Highway Patrol should be causing. We've said it before. There are some times in this life the only answer is to drop this to the bottom of the Mariana Trench like Megatron. Yeah. Like Osama Bin Laden. Sink it down there. Just get rid of it. Hope, hope, Hopefully a fish cannot start the engine because something <laughs> terrible will happen. Yeah, if, if you're an organization uh, that is using this vehicle to uh, raise awareness of highway safety, and in the process, you have caused several pileups, yeah. a man was crushed by the car, y y you're not doing the right thing. This is a, this is a, f a fireman driving to the site of a fire, flicking matches behind the car. It's not what you should be doing. Do you think this could happen today? Do you think that a cursed enough vehicle could overwhelm, I don't know, a, a modern highway patrol and all of these people? Does this seem like a problem for the 50s and 60s? I think this could definitely happen. <laughs> I think I think I think an organization could be this dumb to keep pushing on with something going this badly. <laughs> this was the fire fest of the 1950s. <laughs> They should have not should not have kept doing this. Yeah, there would be baseball caps today. They'll be like, "I survived, little bastard." But I think there's there's something weird with like cars of famous people because mm. I'm pretty sure there's something with like Hitler's car as well. Okay, like it, parts of it are in a museum or it's famous for some reason. I'll have to look into that. It's kind of I mean it it's kind of fascinating that it says so much about like humans' relationship with cars that they kind of. People feel like they take on some of their personality. Like, no one says that shit about, like, Hitler's toothbrush or, like, James Dean's comb that he combed his hair with. Yeah. For some reason, the car, it, like, it's a part of them. It's weird, isn't it? Like, what's the R equivalent of that? Like, when I die, someone's going to be like, I want a piece of his his iPod. <laughs> I know, yeah, because millennials don't have cars. They don't I want drive the, cars. I want the login to his Google Drive. <laughs> I really want well, to appreciate that's just, it. that's just identity theft. <laughs> I want his f passport, his social security number. The police numbers. are like, who are you? <laughs> I want it all. Chop, chop. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe if this was... Because like news spreads faster nowadays. So I think after the first child was crushed in a school, this would have been shut down pretty fast. I don't think it ever would have made it as far as a school. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. While returning the vehicle to Barris, uh, the car mysteriously vanished. And has not been seen since. Wow. Interdimensional car. We say that, but I'm going to go ahead and, and assume it fell off the trailer. I don't, I don't think whoever's job it was to, to securely strap this thing onto a trailer did it ever. The one thing it does repeatedly is fall <laughs> off of a trailer. 
<laughs> so, so to show up at Barris's house and to be like, here you go. It's just, what? She's gone. It's like... <laughs> How slippery is the wax coating on this car? Uh, it fell off a trailer. It obviously did, or it was stolen. I don't. I don't know. It's it's a weird story for sure. <laughs> I mean, it feels like a euphemism at this point. It's like, yeah, it, rather than being like scrapped or like you know compacted into a little cube, it's like it finally fell off the trailer for the last time. Yeah, I think that's probably the safest way for it to go is to just disappear i mean for it to have fallen off a trailer and no one to have found it uh i would think presumably it was stolen mm-hmm. uh by presumably someone who had it in transport but then what do you do with it because you can't really you can't tell anyone you have it i mean it's it's kind of a, a ingenious way of getting rid of it like it's a bit like a some kind of cursed item in a movie it's like you trick someone into wanting it and then they take it and you're like, ha the curse is now yours. Yeah. I'm free. But then it's kind of weird if you're trying to get rid of it, even though you're the one that stole it. Right. I do think that a lot with like, you know, when something gets stolen, like, let's say I went to the British museum, hypothetically, of Go course, on. went to the Egyptian exhibit, smashed a couple glass pl- planes and took a mummy skull. Sure. Now I have a mummy skull in my flat in East London. Obviously, the thing to do is to sell the mummy skull on the, you know, the international black market at one of those meetings where they have like auctions above a casino or something like Bond villains are lined up. But how do you how do you get to that point? Right. Are you like if you've got no connections? Yeah. Are you just calling up guys be like, I have a um, a mummy skull? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) You're striking off phone numbers from 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 yellow pages. (laughs) Yeah, you're just calling random dudes. Are you wealthy? Would you be interested in the skull of a pharaoh? Uh, yeah, it's got to be hard to like. I wouldn't know where to start. Well, that's what they say about like the uh, like art fraud world. Is that if if someone steals a priceless painting, it weirdly narrows down the amount of people who could have done that because you would have to be so well connected to launder a priceless painting that everyone knows is stolen. That is priceless. There is like five people on earth who could pay you enough money for that thing. Yeah. Um, They have to be already deeply established. And if you called up a billionaire and you were like, you're going to want this dude. It's actually pretty famous. He's like, it was him. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, what? I thought you were cool, man. Like you, why would they ever want to just buy this famous piece of artwork that then they can never show anyone? Yeah, it's a very weird world, isn't it? There is there is an odd threshold you you cross where you steal something too valuable. Hundred percent. It is it is the word priceless. It's like not yeah. sellable. Look, we don't need to dance around it. I f-ing took the mummy skull and right. I can't move. I can't shift it for love or money. So if anyone's if listening anyone to this there, podcast, yeah, that's this is honestly museum directors. This whole thing, the James Dean thing, it really I don't even care for it at all. It was really just a, a way to get to the mummy skull. Um because it's taken up room. It's taken up room and it's annoying. And I'm actually starting to hate it a little bit. And if I can't sell it, I'll smash it. So if, if anyone wants a mummy skull, just get it. I won't I'll do like twenty bucks really? for the thing. And it's like a couple thousand years old there's no it's like a priceless i think there's actually a jewel in the forehead you could how did um, you get in they have a pretty sophisticated 
security system. One word, nighttime. I waited <laughs> two till, words. I, I think I waited till nighttime. Right. And I smashed a window at the right time. <laughs> I waited till the right time at nighttime. And I put up a fight time because immediately <laughs> okay. the alarms went off. Sure. Yeah. That's what I was trying to trying to get to. Also, I don't think smashing one window gets you from outside the British Museum to holding a mummy's skull. It, it worked out kind of well because I was trying to just smash a window to get in. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that there was a security guard on the other side of the window. So with one punch, I both broke in and had his keys. Uh, I yeah. knocked him out cold, basically. It was very much a truck driver falling out of his own truck <laughs> and uh, falling under the wheels of little bastard moment. And of course, now it's pitch black, alarms blaring. I've got a bloody fist that's um, ooze and pints by the second. I can barely see. You're starting to look like the mummy. I actually went in there to gank a samurai sword. I didn't even want the mummy skull, but I was searching forever. I couldn't find the France part of the museum to find the sword. It's not going to be in the French part of the museum. Well, I searched everywhere else. Germany, Spain, <laughs> England. I didn't realize the British Museum just said <laughs> had the Germany section and the France section. Yeah, I, I was doing laps around the You didn't think to go to the ancient Japanese section? They have that? They have samurai swords for days. Long story short, I end up with this mummy skull. I'm just imagining you with blood in your eyes. You're wiping it away, running past reams of samurai outfits. <laughs> samurai armor, swords, shuriken. <laughs> i don't see anything i'm so woozy from <laughs> punching through the window i'm like oh, there it is the sword i put my fist through another glass pane grab a mummy's face <laughs> pull it out <laughs> more glass stuck in your hand you're like this sword is sharp as shit <laughs> and then i slunked away in a very Not oversized a security guard uniform uh into the night it's insane that you're still alive yeah and now i have the skull and you want 20 pounds you said that won't be uh, maybe a little more because i won't be enough to cover the medical bills um from having my my hands both hands shattered right you've got luke skywalker robotic wrists Mm -hmm. yeah i i kind of belong in a museum myself now as a human anomaly uh which is pretty amazing so if anyone wants the skull uh that would be pretty great uh it's actually i brought it with me here um it's pretty big it's pretty cool oh i crushed it i crushed it with my robot hand (laughs) it's dust i I don't know how to use it yet (laughs) well keep that thing away from me man (laughs) Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest, and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a life therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. <laughs> Well, that just wraps up today's story about little bastard James Dean's cursed car that went on to um, inflict a lot of damage in its lifetime. Um, well done. I'm, I'm glad this is a great investigation. I'm glad to hear about, you know, such a golden time of American history. But, you know, they say Hollywood's a sunny place for shady people. And this is one of those like dark undercurrent stories that's just... There's so much evidence to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm it's so recent. I'm glad it worked out because I was worried that one was a bit like very heavy. It's basically just reading off a list of events that happened. So <laughs> basically um, a list of cars falling off of trucks. Yeah. With a lot of cool sound effects and <laughs> jokes to really jazz it up. But uh, at its core, it's a car that uh, <laughs> fell off a trailer a lot of times. Um let's not dilly dally here kit what are your thoughts around the little bastard is this is this something that is truly cursed or are we looking at years of negligence and improperly trafficked vehicles listen there's something very compelling about the sheer number of casualties inflicted uh by just one car normally a car takes out one owner if at all yeah it rarely gets to uh, claim more lives um, but I think the, the thing that I can't shake from this is, as Alec illustrated in his recollection of talking to James Dean, James had never driven this thing prior to the week he died. Yeah. Which maybe leads me to think that the theory that all of these components were somehow damaged in some certain way, that maybe this thing wasn't cursed, but there was just, like you say, negligence that every bit of this car was falling apart that seems way too possible to ignore here yeah definitely i think especially well in the terms of uh the, the crash that happened with james dean i've never seen a car crash evaluated so many times i watched wow. a youtube video where scientists had recreated it in a simulation yeah uh, where they could crash the two cars and they ran that simulation enough times that after the crash, both cars ended up in the exact same place as they did in real life. Wow. So based on That's that, crazy. they could judge like the angle, the speed, everything, which was crazy. And I think 
uh, in terms of that crash, it was just a car crash. Mm-hmm. It was just an unfortunate thing that happened. I will say that moving forward from that point, when we hear about the racers that both crashed their cars, you know, it is a big coincidence to say they added these parts to their cars and then crashed. Obviously, being a race car driver is a very high risk sport. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like a lawyer who took the airbags. Yeah, James Dean's pen and then he died. Yeah, he his head exploded the next day. Uh, these are very at risk activities mm-hmm. that already um, already offer up a lot of danger. Accidents can and probably will happen. So I don't think that's too strange. When we get to the point where it's like, basically, it can't stay still. <laughs> that's a little weird. But there's a reason why those stories are harder to verify than the original stories. Okay, it quickly becomes a legend. Yeah, it's like, oh, did you hear they actually tried to do this and then it fell off a bunch of times. I heard it killed a kid. <laughs> I heard it it hold, held an old woman up at knife point. You know, it's just snowballs, basically. And that's kind of what happens. Um, what are you thinking? Are we looking at something paranormal here or is this just a, a dangerous car? Can you imagine the policeman going to the family's house and being like, I'm so sorry, um, I have news about your son, Jimmy. And like, oh my God, what happened? He's like, you're never going to believe this, but James Dean's car fell off a truck. And on to your son. There's like, wasn't he at school? Yes, he was. He was minding his own business. The car is a freaking mind of its own. There's we so can't many, stop it. There's so many things to unpack in that <laughs> sentence. James Dean's car. It's like the actor who died. Yeah, we have his car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was James Dean in it? No. It's wild. I don't think there's enough here to say that this is truly paranormal. I think you're quite right. We've got either plain old happenstance mixed with some amount of faulty goddamn mechanics mixed with the active imagination of of a a world of james dean fans yeah that created a pretty neat but pretty probably not true paranormal legend yeah so i think this week it's going to be a double no. no the little bastard is not paranormal it's just a dangerous car surrounded by unfortunate circumstances Uh, But thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This Paranormal Life. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have your own stories you would like us to investigate, you can send it in to thisparanormallifepodcast at gmail.com. We do have a lot to get through, but we always love getting submissions, whether it's something you want us to look into or whether it's uh, a paranormal story of your own. We definitely appreciate you sending those in. Hell yeah. If you liked that episode and you want to see a little bit more of this paranormal life, maybe the audio is not enough. You want to see some visuals. uh, You can head on over to YouTube where we have our very own YouTube channel that posts some of the highlights and video clips from every episode. If you want to check that out, the link is right here. It's right on your phone. It's underneath the little notes bit (laughs) on your podcast. This is your phone speaking. Open me up, (laughs) asshole. Um, you can uh, check that out. It's got lots of very funny clips. And if you want to support the show even further, you can head on over to patreon.com. We don't talk a lot about uh, the behind the scenes of this podcast a lot, but, um, you know, the show, the show's been growing. It's been growing every day, every month uh, with a ton of new listeners. None of it would be possible. We wouldn't still be going uh, if it wasn't for the support of people on patreon.com. Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that are made with uh, huge teams, uh, researchers in studios. We are two boys. We are children. Uh, We We have pretty deep voices, but I'm actually... 
six gets I'm, weirdly older i'm rory's big brother yeah we shouldn't legally be able to take any of your money but through a weird uh loophole that we found this is actually our own country this studio uh and through the support that you give us on patreon we can keep this show going so uh definitely head on over to patreon and look at the different ways that you can uh, support the show because you also get a ton of cool rewards like free bonus episodes every month uh merchandise and uh, a lot of other cool things so you should check it out so if you have supported us on patreon what we like to do is give you a very special little shout out right here on the podcast special thank you to john bush john bush is always in a rush he gets up for 6 a.m., slaps his hand on, on the alarm clock, piece of toast in his mouth. Whoa! Putting on trousers with one hand and brushing his teeth, still toast in there with the other hand. That's terrible. He's hailing a, a, Slow down. a cab. They won't pick him up because he looks disgusting and his ass is hanging out because he hasn't got his trousers <laughs> on yet. Listen, John, you need to slow down. Slow down. Slow down. There's no need to rush that much. John, be like the bush. Slow down. Stationary. Thank you to Hollow. Hollow is the number one writer for uh, emo music because they are empty inside. So all of their songs are like, I'm so hollow, I got nothing inside of me except for darkness. Darkness. They might actually be a cryptid now that I think about it because that's a pretty weird... They talk about their horns a lot. It's not really a song either. It's a bit more like a satanic chant. Yeah. We might have to look into that. Thank you to Caitlin Ward. Caitlin, congratulations on your award hmm. for the number one Patreon for the podcast, that is right. For the two mil that you give us monthly, uh, you are being rewarded with this ceremonial. It does look like gold. It is not. It's just plastic, really. We couldn't afford any better one. Uh, so we have a plastic it's actually, golden. It's, it's actually not even plastic. It's actually a, a type of mud. A shiny mud. Yeah. Um, so if you would like this shiny mud, we don't actually have um, like a ribbon or anything. So we're just no, gonna no. throw it at you. Um, we're gonna throw of, mud at you. We're gonna throw mud at you. Thank you for the money, though. Thank you to Kyle Farrell. Kyle likes to go feral uh, mostly at the weekends. Love it, brother. He just uh, clocks off on a Friday at 5 p.m. Everyone says, hey, you coming for a beer at the at the pub, Kyle? And he says, rawr, rawr. <laughs> at this point, he's already ripped off his clothes. He should have. He really should have waited to leave the office first. He, he took a bite out of a can of White Claw. <laughs> That's how much he's going to rage. He's going to go wild like a beast. I love it, Kyle. Thank you to Stephen Fake Knee. Stephen has a fake knee. That's right. It looks like a knee. It even feels like a knee. But behind the skin, it's a white claw. What? That's right. The alcoholic beverage white claw has uh, actually replaced his kneecap so he can get a buzz on anytime, anywhere. Is it? A one-time thing, or is this thing, like, refillable, You can refill it. Okay. Not well. But uh, anytime any of his friends are thirsty, he just says, I've got exactly what you need! And then he just knees him in the side of the head with the white claw. The thing explodes. They barely get a drink in their mouth, obviously, because it's more of an attack. Imagine a kind of Popeye situation where anytime he needs to party, he just, like... Pops the claw. Pops it, and it goes in a big cartoon kind of fountain into his yeah. pipe. <laughs> One gulp, and he's trash. And he's arguing with a bouncer outside a club <laughs> at 1am. Thank you to Beckett Goodman. You know what they say about Beckett? Always a good man, never a good man. Oh. 
He's he's a bad person. Oh no. Have they done crime or just mean? He uh, just does kind of weird mean things like, you know, around Christmas time. He'll go around to kind of toy shops and mm -hmm. he'll he'll buy up all the most popular toys so that no kids can have them. Oh, that is real. Yeah, that's super mean. Not a crime, but mm -hmm. uh, very mean. Weird time to be mean as well, Christmas. <laughs> he's the Grinch. Did I mention he's the Grinch? Thank you to Hannah. Hannah, I'm in need of a katana. And I've searched everywhere in the British History Museum. So I'm just if gonna... you do have one... Uh, you might be able to skip Hannah's recommendation here. Have you have you tried the Japanese exhibit? That'll uh, it's on the list. But first, I'm gonna swing by Italy, South America, North America, right, and oh Canada. Because it sounds a bit I like I raise my sword to thee. I believe is their national anthem. So yeah, they probably have a f sword in there somewhere. Okay, good luck with that. Thank you to Jumpmaster. Jumpmaster was actually the uh, early Japanese working title for Super Mario. Oh. Um, before they, they thought they'd turn it into something a little bit more, you know, full of character. Jumpmaster yeah. has a bit more of an intense vibe. I'm into it. I'd like to play the original Jumpmaster game. You would think, but the plot did revolve around he wasn't a good guy. There was a lot of, like, stomping. It was weird, man. Stomping on children's presents oh. around Christmas time. He was a real kind of little... It sounds Grinch. like another person, yeah, that, yeah. That, fault that supports the podcast. Thank you to Andrew Michael. Andrew Mike Hill. That wasn't a sentence. You just said words weird. Anna was a great illustrator, and her, and her best friend Mike uh, lived, on a, lived on a hill nearby, and she, she Wait, painted a really good picture. Andrew really, Mike Hill. You're really reaching with this Andrew one. Mike's Hill. <laughs> what? Andrew Mike's, Mike's hill. hill. So Mike has a hill and Andrew it. Did I stutter? <laughs> I think so. I did, yeah. actually. <laughs> a couple times, yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Beth Marcus. Beth Marcus runs a math circus. Oh. This is where you see the most acrobatic meth heads doing the most death-defying stunts all while smoking that sweet crystal. You gotta be pretty cranked up to attempt the sort of things they're doing. We're talking about tightrope walking, where there is not only no safety net, there's no rope. They just yeah. jump off it's the a, top. It's a freakish athletic stunt. You ever seen an elephant do blow through its trunk? We're talking juggling machetes where the knives have no handles. It's all knife. Thank you to Efrael Perez. Ifrel, I've been to Paris, to Berlin, and every exhibit I've been in, my heart is looking for swords. <laughs> you, so, I'm sorry, you flew to Berlin and Paris? You didn't think to go to Tokyo? I went to Tokyo. It was my connecting flight to Africa. You gotta be kidding to me. Find you gotta be kidding me. A katan, an authentic samurai sword so and you I could know not the it. word samurai you gotta know that that's the japanese language bud samurai katana an authentic nihongo you, sword so you know the word for japanese <laughs> so i went to addis ababa in ethiopia <laughs> for some sushi to really get in the spirit of this hunt <laughs> i arrived in istanbul and i said katana wa doko desu ka? 
And sure, it was a Japanese guy I spoke to, and he said, you're, you're, you're way out of your depth. Thank you to Kirby Bondi. Kirby Bondi's got a Furby body. Uh, oh no, that's not Some good. kind of god-awful uh, human experiment where the, the, the head and limbs of a human, but the, the torso of a Furby. Oh, so human legs, but a Furby <laughs> middle, but then a human head? It's truly as terrifying and horrible as it sounds. I'm sorry to say, Kirby. Um, Take the batteries agree. out. Take the batteries out. Let it die. Thank you to Sam. Sam just did a pretty cool thing, actually. Uh, mm. By not providing a second name, he just gave a shout-out to every Sam that listens to this podcast. Wow, that's kind of a goat move. Yeah, so because you didn't mention who you specifically are, shout-out to all the Sams out there uh, who listen to this show. Thank you for your support, Sams. Thank you to Lady Dylan Hoffman. I didn't realize you could actually just give yourself the title Lady. Um, I don't think you can. <laughs> I thought That's you had to illegal. earn the title, yeah. but uh, I'm gonna start going forward, gentleman Kit. Oh, are you sure, lady? Isn't uh, being used in this context as like the equivalent to lord? <gasps> to be a lord or to be a lady, you know? So you have to have some. Do you have to own land? Is La that it? Lady, we've got enough royalty in the commune. We do not need any more ladies. We do not. That was poorly worded because uh, there's a lot of men in the commune and we're trying to even out the numbers. We want more of like a 50-50 right, right, split. Well, we, sure, we need more women, but we don't need more... Royalty. <laughs> Royalty. That's the best way to word it. Thank you to Dan Waterfield. Dan has a field of water. And ask me what he grows. What? Fish. I don't think you grow them. And he harvests them too. Whenever you say field of water, do you mean like... A lake? Yeah, if you want to get technical, it's a lake. And he farms every single day with a rod and a hook and some string. So he's a fisher? He's a... Yeah, well, sure, yeah. He harvests the, the ocean, the fish from the ocean, yeah. This is like a thousand years ago, the first fisherman. <laughs> and like a farmer trying to tell his friends about him. I met this guy. It's He's a pretty weird guy. So it's... <laughs> Instead of sowing seeds, he puts a string in the water. Stay with me here. His vegetables have eyes, and they try and get away from them. It's, it's pretty weird. One of, one of those water potatoes actually bit me on the finger. Thank you to Jacob Alexander. Jacob Alexander, that is the kind of name that lets me know that you absolutely work in a museum. So Jacob Alexander, you know what I need. And you know where I can get it. I need a ancient Japanese samurai katana. And right. I don't have the faintest clue for where to start. Okay. So I'm going to need you to point you me in the right direction. You just said ancient Japanese, so surely. It's like a phrase. It's surely. like It's like a, it's just like something, a throwaway surely thing. you know. Like an American sports car. But I don't even know where to go to get one of those. Germany? You're absolutely killing me here. Japan? Absolutely killing me here. Thank you to Daniel Parkins. Come on down to Daniel's Theme Parkins, where every ride Ooh. is your last. Come on in, ch children. No, <laughs> kids, stay back, stay back. We gotta ask Daniel a few more questions. It will be why the most is it my exciting last? time of your life, your short life. <laughs> oh, there's one ride. It is incomplete. Okay. 
What kind of ride is it? Is it a roller coaster? A fast a... one. <laughs> okay. Teapots. It's a fast one. I swing a hammer in <laughs> your direction. Make sure you're strapped in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Steve Vogelpole. Steve has a pogo pole. That's right, because he is the original protagonist of the game Jump Master. That's right, it was... <laughs> Before Mario, there was Steve Pogelpole. <laughs> and he was trying to bounce to the moon to, I think, beat the Americans. <laughs> and his, his famous catchphrase, uh, It's-a me, Steven. Even in the game, he didn't beat the Americans. That was a confusing bit. It was kind of uh, it was kind of a weird machine where it was mo mostly just to suck up quarters. <laughs> it was like you gotta beat those Americans if you want to get to the moon. Uh, every pogo, you didn't even get close. Yeah, <laughs> this thing didn't sell well in America. Absolutely not. And lastly, but not leastly, thank you so much to James Williams. James Williams kills yams. He'll buy them from a store, unpackage them, and smash them with a hammer. Interesting. I don't know why he hates them so much. It's another bad theme park. Yeah, that's that's the one of the many many rides in the <laughs> uh, the theme park is the Yam Smasher. Yeah. And where kids, it's kind of like whack a mole, but the moles don't move and the moles are yams. And that, ladies and gentlemen, might be our dumbest shout out yet. Thank you so much to everyone who supported the show. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, we will be back next Tuesday with a brand new Paranormal Tale. And until then, always remember, folks, to live fast, investigate, investigate and die young, young baby! baby. Yeehaw!